it was much scarier for me to take the leap in to be an entrepreneur than it was for me to become a monk with no possessions, which sounds counterintuitive. But um, yeah, the fear of failure, the fear of what if this doesn't work out? There's the fear of uh, putting myself out there. There's the fear of, you know, I'm not, how can I help others? Little old me, I don't have any, you know, I have no formal education. Everything I learned was the traditional method of hands on, you know, it's like, so all of these self-doubts, all of these worth issues that came up in my mind, into my heart, in my life, and facing them and learning how to ma manage them and navigate them. And I'm a big fan of this terminology of managing or navigating as opposed to just fixing. You know, the mind is so tricky that some things can be fixed, but most things in life actually just have to be managed and worked with. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, Night Shift Emergency Physician, Burnout Thriver, and Wellness Champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Fam. This is Dr. G, and we are back with another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. Today, we have Madhu Dasa with us, and he's going to share with us all of the really neat things that he's up to and all about who he is. So take it away, Madhu. Well, super grateful to be here with you and uh, excited to explore some stuff that's going to be probably uh, not only fun, a little bit challenging for the mind as well, but really practical and some tips, tools that anyone at any given time can utilize to make life just a little bit easier. Sounds good. Sounds good. So tell us about about you. Like, who are, who are you? Where, where are your roots? Like, how did you get to be in this particular space? All of the tea, spill it. Sure, sure. Well, I, like most 18-year-olds, uh, shaved my head and became a celibate monk. Uh, no, I actually don't think others do that. But I had been studying philosophy and theology. And so on my 18th birthday, I decided to become a monk. And I moved into an ashram or a monastery where I lived uh, as a celibate monk for about a half a decade. And then after that, graduated, become a quote-unquote normal person with the idea of trying to share these tips around changing your life through your mind and through your lifestyle um, practices in a way that anyone and everyone can start to apply. And so really what I spend my time and focus on is how can anyone improve their quality of life with tools that they already have without having to go buy something or, you know, go learn something like what are the quick and easy ways to immediately improve our quality of life? Awesome. So, Tell us more about that. I mean, you kind of just like um, glossed over that <laughs> a pretty significant chunk of information there. So you were studying philosophy. So your parents were were influencers in that, or how did you? I mean, how is, how does a teenager just get interested in philosophy? Yes, 
Uh, my parents are very, we might say spiritually minded, very open-minded. Uh, they never pushed anything on me, but you know, all my friends would come over as a kid and they're like, well, your parents are the cool parents. They're into these, you know, kind of weird, in my opinion, it was like weird stuff for them. It was cool stuff. And they always encouraged me to ask questions. So from a young age, I became uh, very curious, very curious about like, I, I didn't, I wasn't so interested in the same things everyone else in school was because they would always prompt me and ask me questions that were beyond the material around me. Like, okay, what exactly am I? Like, I know I'm not a body because the body changes. Like, I know that if I lose my arm, I'm no less of a person, right? So it's like, who is the me? And trying to understand the concept of self or the soul, the unit of consciousness, whatever terminology you want to get it, but the you driving around the body and what is the nature around me and trying to understand these things. So what happened was when I was 16 years old, I read one book called the Bhagavad Gita. It's a 5,000 year old literature on the science of self-realization and uh, different aspects of knowledge of self, of divinity, of nature around us, of healing, et cetera. And that really opened up my mind. And after going deep into more of the Eastern sciences of philosophy, theology, et cetera, I, uh, I want to become a monk, but I was 17, so they wouldn't let me join. <laughs> Any monasteries, okay. but finally on my 18th birthday, they were like, "Okay, you could you could become a monk now." <laughs> and so, where did you where was where was this that you did this? Yeah, so I would spend six months a year in India in different okay. monasteries there, and then the other six months in the West and different monasteries in the U.S. There's, as as you, we can all imagine, there's not too many of them, but uh, right. there, there were there's one in New York that would live in one in uh, San Diego, California, one in Denver. There's some in Canada, and so depending on where I could be of, as we would say, the most service, like wherever my unique contribution would be the most helpful, I would be okay. quote unquote stationed there for six months and and okay. help serve there, build up projects, uh, teach meditation, train, etc., and then go back to India for another six months to, you can say. Uh, juice myself up per se, you know, immerse myself in the culture, learn more, et cetera. Okay. And so um, when you were in India, was everything in English or Hindu or what was the language that you had to communicate? Yeah, different in? languages. Yeah. So for me, it's all English. I only know English fluently. Uh, a couple of languages okay. I can, I can fake enough, but uh, primarily English. And there are different languages depending on where I was living. It was either Bengali or it was Hindi. And so I would, I would learn some of the basics there. But the cool thing is because there's so many millions of practitioners of this specific practice called bhakti yoga, that's the kind of monk I was, a bhakti yoga monk, um, from all around the world, when you go to these places, there it was quite the I don't know how we'd say spiritual melting pot. So we'd okay. have people from all over the place coming together. And so English being the most uh, present language, that was that was the primary form of communication out there as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I was just wondering if you had to, you know, basically overcome the language barrier first, you know, plus learning the craft and all these things. And then so you have to tell us, was there any fear involved? in leaving your home and going, uh, you know, across the ponds to another country? Like, how did, how did you deal with that? I could say there was a lot of fear. You know, what happened, it, it did happen until my fear of doing that became less than the fear of living a purposeless life. Like, cause that fear was always there. But then what happened was the fear of not figuring out who I was and what my purpose is and what I'm actually here to do and how I can actually contribute and be a giver and be of service in this world. Mm -hmm. Then when the fear of that not happening, 
<laughs> became more, that's when I took action. But yeah, it's it's inevitably anxiety ridden or okay. precarious to to uproot and leave to somewhere else. What to speak of a different country? What to speak of, you know, shaving your head and just wear robes throughout the day. You wake up at three thirty in the morning and meditate for hours. It's it's a very it was a very uh, nervous experience getting into that. But surprisingly, almost immediately, actually at least a week or two in, once I started, everything was immediately dissipated because a simple life provides so much freedom. I see. So much peace okay. of just, you know, I mean, little things like I never had to worry about my hairdo. Yeah, I never yeah. had to worry about what what color, what color am I wearing today? Okay, orange, cool. Yes. What, what size am I getting? Oh, it's a one size. It's a, you know, what am I eating? Okay, I know I have some idea what I'm eating. What am I going to do at this time? This time, I know exactly what I'm going to do. There was such a simplicity to life that very quickly all those fears just dissipated, because I, I knew I was properly situated. No, that's good. Yeah, it's 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 funny that you should say that. Like once you get rid of uh, all of the things that those mundane decisions, how how it allows for the life to be more purposeful, right? I mean, because you hear people who are um, high-achieving individuals and have to make a lot of decisions every day, that they, the, you know, the simple things that, the things that you might deliberate on, like you said, the hair, what you're wearing, they simplify that by having just one haircut and they have the same item in the closet for every day, just multiple versions of it. So they just like, grab something and it's the same thing because they just don't want to have the mental space of having that. So that's interesting that you that you mentioned it again, you know, in, with your journey. And then, so tell us about, so you, you spent, you know, half a decade in this life, learning, gleaning what you could from it. And then what was it that sparked your return to your previous situation, I guess? Because as you put it, normal life, as you put it, yeah. (laughs) And so, and then was there any fear involved in that transition? Yeah, even bigger fear than becoming a monk, that's for sure. Well, the way it works is it's not a, most monks, 99% of monks become student monks, and then 1% will become, we call lifers. They become celibate for the rest of their life. And, you know, very few do that. But in my case, uh, as a student monk, what you do is under the assessment of your teachers, you figure out what's a manageable amount of time until you learn as much as you need, and then you can be reintegrated in society per se. In other words, get to a point where you are in enough control of your mind, or at least know how to control the mind, the body, the senses, so that you become, again, a contributor to society as opposed to a taker from society. And so in my case, it was around about four years in, my teachers were like, hey, you think like, it's about time? I'm like, yeah, I think it's about time. And then you know, okay. not so long after that, it made sense that we have a graduation, which is uh, kind of instills this uh, sense of transition back into taking what I've learned to bring it out and really share it with others. And so people don't have to go shave their head and become monks, but rather in their day-to-day lifestyle, right. with their family, with their job, they could still uh, learn and adapt these practices that are still going to bro- provide them a deep sense of purpose, happiness, and satisfaction. No, that's fantastic. And then, so, um, you know, is there like a, a call to action? Like, is it that you have to do this like pro bono? Do you have to do this in any particular like fashion? Like, is there any kind of call to action after you graduate? Yes and no. So the idea is it's very, it's everything's volunteer. And so everything is just based off of a service. And it's really think of it as like an educational opportunity for one to be fully immersed in, uh, 
yeah, really just a life of service. And the idea is when you transition, I mean, fortunately, the tradition I come from, they're very supportive. So like I always had, you know, people would help me with this, that, the other, you know, I, I, there's a ton of places I could have moved and stayed if I needed to. Uh, and so I was very well supported in that transition. But what happened was I was like, I want to do my own thing. I want to, I, I, I don't want to necessarily be dependent on any, anyone else. And so that's when I pretty much extensively traveled for about two years, never really stayed in one place for more than about a month, maybe a month and a half. And usually much shorter, just kind of going from one place to another and places where I could actually serve, teach, contribute. And then after about two years of that, my body said, no more, please, no more travel. <laughs> That's when I started to quote unquote, settle down and start to stay in one place for a longer span of time. And uh, yeah, put my, start to let the grass grow under my feet, as they say. And where did you land? Well, now we're here in Southern California. And okay. um, so this is, I, I'm actually originally from San Diego, uh, born okay. and raised, but then went all over the place. And then I landed here in Orange County in uh, Southern California. And I can't imagine myself anywhere else at this point. <laughs> this is okay. where my body okay. belongs. Awesome. 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 And then, so now you're like re-immersed. So it's been how many years now? So now it's been um, almost seven years. So about six and a half years since I've okay. been. Okay. So almost equal to the amount of time that you were in training. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, right. now, yeah, now more somehow or other. Okay. Time goes All right. so awesome. Quickly. And then how are you? So how are you? Um, how are you implementing what you learned? Well, you know, how long do you have? No, I'm kidding. You know, so many ways <laughs> I could answer that. But the simple way I could say that is, in most of our lives, the primary sphere of influence that we have is going to be around our vocation, you know, our occupation, the thing we spend time developing, spending most of our time at. And so for me, I, I realized it took me a little while of suffering and oh. trial and error, but eventually getting to the point where I realized if I can't figure out a way to monetize my, in Sanskrit, we have this ter term dharma or your purpose, mm -hmm. like your intrinsic gifts. If I can't figure out a way to do my gifts in a way that sustains me, it's going to be a problem. And so for the last many years now, uh, almost, yeah, about five years, I've went into a life of entrepreneurialism, in which case okay. I could do what I want whenever I want and kind of create my own business. And so what I do is I teach various aspects of what we call the monk mindset method or how to create a satisfactory, purposeful, content life, uh, as well as how to monetize your business. Because I had a I teach what's called Ayurveda or Eastern practice of holistic health from India. And it's pretty much diet and lifestyle, improving one's health through diet and lifestyle. And that's what I did as a monk. And then after graduating, I still, as an Ayurvedic practitioner, I would help people improve their quality of life through not just mental practices of the mind, but also physical practices, uh, physical, mental, et cetera. And so I was like, how do I figure out how to make money doing this. And then from there, uh, long story, but taking different types of trainings and taking some big risks, uh, we were able to create, uh, first we hit six figure business and then multiple six figures and the seven, and we just kind of kept growing it. And then after some years of doing that, about uh, two years ago, I switched to just helping others who are in the field, other entrepreneurs who are stressed and overwhelmed and busy, how they could take what they're doing and expand that so that they can help more people. Cause I'm a firm believer. If I could, you know, let's say I've got about 22 clients and now that are wellness entrepreneurs, if I can help them 
each of them are now going to go help dozens of at oh, least yes. dozens of people. Effect. So exactly. So as opposed to me just helping one person, like I was doing for years, now my mission is like, how can I help the most people? And that really means helping the influential, uh, those who have the ability to change the lives of many, many people. So that's really how it shifted. So still service basis, like really just trying to be a contributor as opposed to, you know, just trying yeah. to take as much stuff in this world as possible. And, uh, and that's how service basis, like really just trying to be a contributor as opposed to, you know, just trying yeah. to take as much stuff in this world as possible. And, uh, and that's how the monk life slightly set me up for success because as you know, better than most is in order to be successful, it really takes a lot of discipline. Oh, and yes. control of the mind. I mean, no one can be where you're at without an incredible it does take a of lot discipline. of discipline <laughs> exactly. and uh, delayed, delayed gratification. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's another thing we learned from being a monk and being celibate for years. We're like, you know, exactly. yeah. and so, you know, that's, that's how that's translated into me still feeling very purposeful and grateful every day for this opportunity to serve, but still doing it in a way that's well, sustainable <laughs> financially. Sure. Yes, not as great. And then um, you, so now, so did you have any any fears going into helping others? Because I mean, you had a situation where you had a pretty successful, very successful, if you talk about multiple seven figures, that's very successful. Um, so you had a very successful venture going and then you made a shift where you're now helping other people to get to that same level of success. Was there any fear in that? Like, did you feel... Too and how much. did you deal with it? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because as as you mentioned, it was actually much, it was much scarier for me to take the leap in to be an entrepreneur than it was for me to become a monk with no possessions, which sounds counterintuitive. But um, yeah, the fear of failure, the fear of what if this doesn't work out? There's the fear of uh, putting myself out there. There's the fear of, you know, I'm not, how can I help others? Little old me. I don't have any, you know, I have no formal education. Everything I learned was the traditional method of hands-on. You know, it's like, so all of these self-doubts, all of these worth issues that came up in my mind, in my heart, in my life, and facing them and learning how to ma manage them and navigate them. And I'm a big fan of this terminology of managing or navigating as opposed to just fixing. You know, the mind is so tricky that some things can be fixed, but most things in life actually just have to be managed and worked with. And so for me, it was a matter of figuring out how can I do this in a certain way, mm -hmm. in a way with, dil with diligence and mm, thought that will ultimately provide me success no matter what. And it forced me to really have to figure out what are these breaking or these, uh, let's say, particles, these essentials that if I commit to X behaviors, what do I know will absolutely provide me success? And I had to figure out what are those building blocks. That's what I'm looking for of like, okay, what can I commit to that will inevitably provide me success? Because I can't control outcomes. Fortunately, I'm not the dream controller. I can't really control my thoughts or my, you know, the body. so little control we have over the mind and body, but the idea being I can show up and do what I can do. And then if I do that, eventually, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year, maybe it's five years, I know I'll be successful. And I had to figure out those essential behaviors. No, that's very, that's very, um, I like how you broke that down because it's very insightful. Because a lot of times we do feel as though we are, we become fearful because we feel like we have zero control, but in actuality, like you said, 
there are things that we cannot control, but there are definitely things that we do have control over. And if we focus on those, then, then we, you know, and it's inevitable that we'll become successful. So no, that's great. And then, so, um, what are your, what are your, cause so now you're helping your 22 clients, uh, expand their spheres and of influence. And what are your, what, what's what's next for you? Is that, is yeah. that, was that the next level? Cause I mean, did you just come off of, you know, just your own and then into this space or kind of give me a little bit of a timeline? Sure. Yeah. So we've got, you know, I, I like the idea of like 24 one-on-one people I can support on a one-on-one basis. That's kind of like my limit. And so okay. that's the, the general area I range around, but we also have different group trainings where we actually train people in everything from the art of Ayurveda to the art of mindset to, and actually train people in being able to go help others. Uh, we also okay. do retreats in about a month. I'm taking 44 individuals to India for, we take pilgrimages around to kind of give them an experience of, you can say an authentic transformational experience in India. We take people to Bali and Greece. So there's a bunch of other fun things that we do as well, which provides a little bit more of a dynamic offering to help more people. Okay. Uh, and honestly, I built this in such a way because this is what works now. And it's also the end goal. Eventually I'm going to have to trade. I'm going to get the honor, I should say, to train others under me so we can help personally more people. Sure. But the idea is, I, I'm totally content with what's happening now and like our current system. And for as long as uh, I am allowed to do this, <laughs> I don't plan to stop anytime soon. But I will say the next step is getting physical locations of like holistic wellness centers, I opportunities where, where people can come and learn these arts, which are available to all humans at any given time. Awesome. 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 And if somebody wants to reach out to you, how can they do that? We have on all platforms, it's madhu.life. That's M-A-D-H-U dot L-I-F-E. That's our website. That's our social, like any, anywhere anyone wants to find us, pick a card, any card will do. And you can find us at M-A-D-H-U dot L-I-F-E. And uh, what we do there too, is we give all of our content away for free. So we have tons of videos, resources, educational tools, et cetera. And I'm just a big believer again, I might've said this much, but like it was just service, I believe. Uh, and I, I know you stand for this as well. It's like serve first and, and everything else comes after that. And so I'm a big believer. And so we've made available all of our courses that help people make money doing what they love, help them improve their whole, their health holistically with things they can control, um, how to optimize their mind and control their emotional uh, experiences. Anyway, we've got tons of trainings and resources there. And if you, Let's let's make it special though. If anyone reaches out, madu.life, and you send me the word, what about fearless? So that we know sure. we know they're in touch with you. Let's say if you send me the word fearless, not only will I give you access to all of to our free community, which has again all this content that you can just enjoy, have fun, go become successful with. Um, but I'll give you something else, a little special thing I'm going to throw in because they're one of your listeners. Okay. Well, we appreciate that for sure. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. So Madhu Life, is that what you said it was? Yes, exactly. Madhu Life, M-A-D-H-U dot L-I-F-E. Madhu okay, dot perfect, Life. Perfect. Madhu Life. Love it. And then we are at that point in the show where we do our tradition, which is fill in the blanks. Are you ready for I'm that? I'm ready. Okay, awesome. Awesome. The first one is, if I am fearless, I will. If I am fearless... I will serve 
without any reservation, knowing that I'm taken care of divinely. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. The next one is to me, fearless freedom means. Fearless freedom means trusting that all that I need is already available for me and it's for the taking. Nice. Nice. And then the last one is my battle cry is. I, I was thinking about this. And I was like, what is, what is my battle cry? And the thing that kept coming through clearly and probably with this podcast as well is like service is happiness. Service yes. is ha everyone's happiness. Yeah. And the easiest way to get it is service. <laughs> service is happiness. I love it. And, you know, it's funny because like when you're uh, the manifestation of that is, is interesting because when you're in a not so positive state, if you help somebody else, you actually feel a lot better. <laughs> yep. So there's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of truth to that. Service they did tests. They did tests on happiness in people, and they found that new mothers are amongst some of the happiest individuals in the world. Which makes no logical sense because the baby does nothing from. I mean, does a lot. No, the baby does nothing. Do anything. No, no, does you're nothing correct. For mom. Baby does nothing. nothing. You do everything for the baby, exactly. and the baby does nothing for three months. Then they At finally least. turn around and smile, and then you were like, "Okay, all right, I still love you." <laughs> yeah, right. And at least three months, maybe like three years, maybe like thirteen years. But why is it that mothers were the happiest? It's because a life of service is a life of happiness, feeling of contribution, feeling as opposed to what can I get out of this, where there's a ceiling, as opposed there's no ceiling of how much I can give, how much I can be there to support and uplift others. That is true happiness. That is good. It's good. Absolutely. And um, it was such a fun conversation. And uh, we really appreciate you sharing the pearls with us. And we will be looking for you at Madhu Life. Thank you. And thanks for all of the diligent work you do to create a sacred space like this for us to talk about these opportunities so that we can all uh, go up together. No, I, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs>